This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Is this the intro? Is this just parody? Harmony we tried. We must face our reality. Yeah, well done, oh. sir. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, that wow. was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, it took a minute. Good thank night, Thank you everybody. for not making us sing. <laughs> yeah, that was all Zach. That I was layers and layers and layers that, of Zach. That was 13 Zachs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I need like two more Zachs. Oh, wow. That's a Baker's Dozen Zach right there. <laughs> yeah. Ken, great job on the lyrics, Zach. Great job on the performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, Ken and I were, were talking about intros, and all of a sudden we went, wait, it's Zach's turn. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And so, because we each wrote parodies, uh-huh. and we were just kind of playing around, like, "What if we just did this?" And they were like, "Oh, it's not even our intro." Good luck, Zach. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you nailed it. Zach. Oh, thank you. Bravo. Thank you. Sir. Oh thank my you. goodness. I'm a little wow. tingly, which is weird because that was pre-recorded. <laughs> yeah, he, didn't, he didn't sing all 13 parts right now. I was super nervous, and I'm like, "I've already done this." That yeah. was like a pop stars concert right there. Yeah. You're just yeah. lip syncing. You're fine. Yeah, you crazy. sang the last note, so I thank did. you for that. But uh, welcome to Big Cell, by the way. I'm Joel. I'm Kent, and I'm Zach. I'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our heist show. We're happy to report that the heist went well, and Good all job, seven Batmobiles are now in the bacon cave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I'm nice. also really happy about, as well as uh, Christy Barbara on Facebook, that the episode art is fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. Oh, Is that good? Did, no, it's good. Does that mean no, the kids that's, like it? That's, good. that's very good. Okay. It's lit. It's good. It doesn't mean that we should burn the, no, the episode art? No. It means okay. we looked really no. cool, Joel. The episode oh, art was cool. really cool. Uh, we all looked really cool, actually, as pointed out by the listener who said, not sure if 786 Joel is about to perform a heist, or welcome everybody to sacrament meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. because he's wearing a suit. Ser- no, seriously, you guys both look like these dapper heist types, and I look like a dad who's You're about planning to set someone apart. Heist. You have to be the dad. But I don't look like... You look like a dad. I need a better suit. Your name is Father Figure. That is your role. I appreciate it. And then I really liked what Shane Hyatt said. Very simple. Now... I want to watch some heist movies. Yeah. That's the point. That's right? why exactly we do I came away with that as well. Like, yeah, I, I really need a good heist movie now. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But uh, yeah, we had a great time recording. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. And But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? Queen! You should have pre-recorded that part, too. Can I tell you how tired my voice is? So back on episodes 293 and 294 of Bacon Cell, our tournament of 70s rock bands, Queen got a lot of praise. A lot. And they got right near the end. And we had this whole discussion of like, if they if they don't end up winning, or I can't remember I think exactly there was a it. deal made but it was a deal where made it was almost like if, if we <laughs> allow Led Zeppelin to win, can which I, they should have. Can I have a queen show? Can we have a queen show? And this, Zach, this was your request, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was a given because 
I think the reason we're, we're picking Queen to do a full show on Queen is because I think no matter your generation, mm-hmm. these songs are familiar. Whether yes. you're an appreciator, as some may say, yes. or someone that owns their albums, they've been there on road trips uh-huh. or in sports arenas. Yes. If you don't know Queen, I bet you, you know at least one of their songs, probably totally. three yeah. or four. Because these songs have been around since the 70s, well into now, mm-hmm. and people like them, people enjoy them. And, you know, we, we did a show on Beach Boys. We've done one on Rush. Yes. And this feels like another band. And, and you know, maybe, maybe some people are out there be like, hey, why don't you do like more modern bands? And I'm like, well, because these bands have kind of ran their course. Everyone knows them. Time has proven their existence yes. to everyone. And, and their clout. Yes. And and they're kind of, if I may say, at the end of their run, meaning we can look back at their back at their history. Yeah. Whereas a lot of current bands, if we did them, they still have story to tell. Yeah. Our, like when we do an Imagine Dragon show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, thank you. Anyway, but if you don't know, Queen is a British rock band formed in London in 1970, and the classic lineup was Freddie Mercury on lead vocals, Brian May on guitar, Roger Taylor on drums, and John Deacon on bass. That's yeah. Queen. What a lineup. Uh, 15 studio albums, 11 live albums, 16 compilation albums, two soundtracks, and 72 singles. Wow. They have a history. They have uh, record sales that range, uh, estimated range from 170 million to 300 million records. That's making, quite a range. Yeah. One of the best selling music artists of all time. Uh, 18 number one albums, 18 number one singles, 10 number one DVDs. This really hey. is. This really is like a powerhouse band we're talking so about. So I read that the Guinness Book of World Records, which was really huge when we were 12 years old, mm-hmm. they. Remember the twins? Yeah, on right. Always <laughs> the twins or the longest fingernails. Mm-hmm. Well, they note that Queen's albums have spent a total of 1,322 weeks or 26 years on the UK album charts. That is so That's crazy insane. to think about. Yeah. That's a crazy stat. So you mentioned the original lineup for the band. Yes. Was that the original band? No, there is a band that came before. I want to point out that Queen is one of those bands that kind of transcends genre. Oh, yeah. Some call I mean, some albums are more progressive rock. Some albums are Glam more classic rock. rock. We got disco in there. We right. got some pop even, some rock rock. Yeah, they do a little bit of everything. Yeah. In fact, I, I wanted to point this out since we just brought up Led Zeppelin a little bit ago. That uh, Freddie Mercury said that Robert Plant was his favorite singer and that he considered Led Zeppelin to be the greatest rock band So ever. if he were here, he would have voted them as the winner. Yes. He said they ha- that Queen has more in common with Liza Minnelli than Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I think it's because the uh, bravado, the, sh- the show tune. He says, we're, yeah. he says we're the showbiz tradition. Okay, that makes and, sense. Rather than the rock and roll tradition. But yes, Kent, back to the bands. Before forming Queen, Brian May and Roger Taylor were in a band called Smile. Mm-hmm which I haven't heard any of their music. I probably should have listened to it in preparation for the show because I listened to every single It seems like they're only around album. for like two years and it was really, I don't think anyone would have really heard it except for small gigs. Yeah, it was kind of like this, this band that they had a small following, including mm-hmm. one of them was Freddie Bulsara. Yeah, Freddie Bulsara, and let's jump back a little bit. He was born as Farouk Bulsara. And he's born in Zanzibar, which is down in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And so a lot of people may know this maybe from seeing the movie or maybe even the just seeing Bohemian a picture. Rhapsody. Yes. He was born with four extra teeth in the back of his mouth. His teeth are often commented on. His He's got a little uh, buck tooth thing going right. on. Right. And in fact, his childhood nickname was Bucky. And he purposely never got it fixed because he feared it would. And he was always nervous about it. Whenever he like smiled, he did interviews, except for singing because it was a different persona. But he, was, he would generally cover his, his mouth. Mm-hmm. He was a very shy person off stage. Right. But he feared that if he got surgery and got those teeth removed, it would mess with his four octave vocal range. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know what hindsight is because he never got it removed, but his voice 
is it's something amazing. incredible. Did, Zach, didn't you say it was like four octave range or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just huge. Yeah, the guy, the guy can sing. Like he's actually one of the best voices I think ever in yeah. singing. And it's this iconic voice. It's not just this '70s classic rock voice that sounds maybe a little whiny, yeah, or uh, grungy or whatnot. Which it Roger is, Taylor has. Yes. Yeah, there are several songs that were sung by Roger Taylor in the band, and he has a classic. And Brian May as well. And well, Brian May yeah, have classic rock voices. Generally speaking, Brian May would sing the lower parts. Uh, Taylor would sing the high parts, mm -hmm. and, and Freddie Mercury would kind of sing everything else. Is kind of what literally everything else. Sometimes yeah. layers upon layers of Freddie Mercury. Exactly. Yes. And well, it's funny too looking at these guys. Like Brian May was actually uh, working on a degree in physics and infrared astronomy when yeah. he was in Smile, and Roger Taylor was a dental student. And uh, then Freddie Mercury, he actually was studying fashion design, and then he switched to graphic art and design. Yeah. So he's an artist. And then they, he, was, he was a fan of Smile, like you mm -hmm. said. So he'd go to these concerts, and he actually said, he would yell as they were playing. He said, I, I want to do a terrible Rami Malek impression, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but he said, if I was your singer, I'd show you how it was done. Yeah. And so him not even being a songwriter, and by the way, all four of these guys, even John Deacon, were songwriters. And so John Deacon came a little bit later. Yes, he did. But yeah. He knew that he had what it took, I think, to be a rock star from the very get-go. Even though success wasn't guaranteed. So these guys, they recorded like I think four songs in the beginning. Yeah. And they went out to labels and the labels weren't offering anything good mm -hmm. except they said, we'll give you free studio time. Well and it's funny too because they said not for studio time to do your own thing. They said, hey, we need to test out this equipment. Yeah, yes. So if you can come in and just play around with it from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. <laughs> uh -huh. when, when people aren't recording, just test out our equipment. We'll let you record whatever you want. Right. And so they got to know the equipment. They got to learn how to use it. They and got, uh, they had a free demo they just yeah, recorded. They, and they made a demo. And uh, by the way, it was Freddie Mercury who decided to change. Well, I should say Freddie Bulsara, who decided to change the name to Queen. And people weren't quite sure on it. The other band members weren't sure on it. He's like, no, they're going to love it. And then he, around the same time, he changed his last name to Mercury because of a song they sing uh, called My Fairy King, where he says, Mother Mercury, look what they've done to me. Yes. So he became And, and it's Mercury. like a godlike persona, obviously, yeah. he also, which he was on stage. He was a graphic designer. He's the one who created the Queen's Crest or the logo for yeah. the band, which incorporates uh, all their zodiac signs like lions and crabs. I and feel like fairies. we need something like that. For bacon sale? Yeah, there would be four. There'd be there'd two be sets, of twins, sets of twins and some fish. And some fish. That's uh, not really going to work out. It could work. What about Jacob? <laughs> uh, what about Jacob? He's, he's cancer as well, isn't he? Boy, is he. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was an easy joke. Good heavens. Yeah. Anyway, so then they had this uh, kind of weird time to record whatever they wanted. And they did record their songs. Mm -hmm. They went out and performed their first gig. Uh, well, one of, one of their first gigs at uh, Bedford College where six people turned up. Yeah. But even at this point... I think they hadn't quite come into their own. No. The movie kind of plays it off as, hey, they had their hits from the beginning. Yeah, we should clarify right at the beginning. The movie messed a lot of stuff up right. for, for fiction reasons, to make a better movie. Yeah. To, so they can make a splash. Whereas, like, it's definitely inaccurate. Their gigs, like, one of their early stories is they were in Australia and they got booed off the stage mm -hmm. and nobody liked them. They got stuff getting thrown at them. And Freddie Mercury is like, when we come back, we're going to be the biggest band in the world. And he knew that he would be. Yeah. Because he knew they had talent. Yeah. And so they recorded their first album, self-titled Queen. Mm -hmm. uh, not really much success there. They no. did Queen 2. Yes. And that was their second album. Once again, 
and not also a lot of success. Their their contract was was horrible. I think oh, it yes. was into maybe the third or fourth album of theirs. It wasn't until Night at the Opera where they got oh, out of that horrible so, contract. Yeah, where yeah. they were just living in poverty. Still, yeah, they were they so like they they started to have minor success because they had a hit single with Seven Seas of Rye. That's when they started getting their layered sound too. Which if you don't know what that is, it's what Zach did. I heard at the beginning. Yeah, you record a so song impressively. You record it again. You record it again at different different parts, mm-hmm. and you kind of mesh that all together into this sound that sounds like a chorus singing. Yeah. For example, in like in my intro, the intro to Bohemian Rhapsody is just all Freddie Mercury singing. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. the whole band. It's just him. And then the iconic guitar sound is the layering of the Brian May guitars. Yeah. So it, it created their Queen sound. It was something no other band was doing at the time, and it gave them a very distinct sound, and it's the Queen sound. It's the yes. way you know. And so you listen to those first couple albums, and it's like, well, it kind of sounds like Queen. Well, it's like progressive rock. Yeah. But right. then it, it sounds very further. Rush-like when we did our Rush show. Yeah. It wasn't until their third album when it really became Queen. Queen. Sheer heart attack. Rush yes. became Queen? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Hmm. <laughs> Evolution. Uh, so then they started touring. They mm-hmm. toured with Mott the Hoople. They were opening for them. And then as they started to do this tour, Brian May actually had uh, hepatitis and collapsed and yeah. had an ulcer. Really prone to sickness. So they had to cancel their tour. So like they started to have this peak at fame. Yeah. And then it just got taken away. Not taken away, but just maybe stalled. Yeah. But you mentioned the poverty they were they were living like even though they they had this hit and they started to get more recognition like they not in the u.s yet but in the uk no in the uk mm-hmm. but actually there's a thing where they said they were so poor because their contract was not giving them any money that they warned the drummer uh, roger taylor not to drum too hard because they were unable to afford new drumsticks oh that's terrible whereas now like every band throws the drumsticks into the crowd yeah so but they, they so they eventually got out of this contract yes and they wrote a song about their former manager death on two legs yeah very bitter and mm-hmm. to the point where it was so pointed that I think the manager, Norman Sheffield, ended up suing Queen because of defamatory. Defamation, yeah. 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 And they ended up having to settle. Oh, really? That that pointed apparently. So they were like Alanis Morissette or Taylor Swift before. A little more specific. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They got, they got a little more. They <laughs> About pointed, managers, but not boyfriends. Well, they pointed at the specific guy and yeah. like called him a blood sucking leech and things okay. like that. So, yeah. But they, they shopped around their label finally and they were going to go with Led Zeppelin, but they realized they wouldn't be the focus. Led Zeppelin's label. label yes. yes, exactly. And finally, Elton John connected them with his manager. Yes. And that's who they signed with and were able. I mean, record labels are always tough, right? But were able to finally get that success and, and get the push for some of their weirder, more operatic stuff. Because then they came out with A Night at the Opera, which takes yeah. name from a popular Marx Brothers movie. Have you guys seen A Night at the Opera? 1935. Do you guys like Marx Brothers? I haven't. I do like Marx Brothers. No. I've seen Duck Soup. Okay. Duck Soup is good. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad you've seen that. I don't know why I thank you for that. but <laughs> You're welcome. You. But then, so it's funny to me, they get out of this uh, horrible contract where they mm-hmm. weren't making any money and they were just getting you know messed over. And then they produced A Night at the Opera, which at the time was the most expensive album ever produced. Really? Costing 40,000 pounds, which I've converted into dollars. Now? And it was some dollars. It's a lot of math. It's a lot of math, but it was like a very expensive album. But on that album, they did Bohemian Rhapsody, which mm-hmm. became one of their signature hits. You probably heard it. You probably know it. And everybody on YouTube who reacted to it as if they heard it for the first time liars. is lying. Those liars on YouTube. I've never heard this that. song before. Huh. Oh, YouTube so lies? Sometimes. <sighs> but that that is really kind of what kicked them into high gear in the UK. Yeah. Then they came out with Killer Queen, which was their first US hit. Yeah, hit like number 12. And that gave... So this the, that album, Night at the Opera, it started giving a more kind of international appeal. It's interesting, though, because they were selling at this point really well in the UK. The British press still didn't really like them. Well, they actually they were, said they were campy and yeah. they're overly theatrical. 
it seemed like every album they change their criticism. Like it's not rocky enough, and then it get too, yeah. then it get really rocky. They're like, ah, it's too produced, and right. then they go like light again. They're like, ah, it's not, a, it's underproduced. But it didn't matter. Like the critics didn't matter because at a certain point, like the uh, other performing acts were like, you've got to check out Queen. One of their influences early on was David Bowie, and mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury is like, we're not gonna make a splash unless we look similar to David Bowie. And so they came out with these fantastic costumes, and right. they have costume changes in, in their concerts, and like pyrotechnics and lights. Yeah. And they made it a spectacle whenever you went there. And actually at their live performances, there was this uh, time they were performing, and the crowd uh, started singing their song to them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think instead of an encore, the crowd started singing a song. Yeah. And they thought it was so cool, and they said, we got to capitalize on that. So then in 1977, they came out with the album News of the World, which has the singles We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions, where they're, they were intentionally made to get the audience to sing or perform along with the... Right. And that's... So classic. That kind of interaction with the audience was kind of what they really enjoyed. So then they move into the 80s. And before... Do we have to? We have to. Okay. Because earlier on their album, on, on the sleeves, it would say things like featuring no synthesizers or no synthesizers featured. Mm-hmm. They were, not that they were anti, but they were just kind of showcasing, hey, we're not doing this like Well, when you have Brian May in your band, you don't need a synthesizer. Yeah. They were saying, these are just effects we're doing with the guitar. It's not a synthesizer. But then in the 80s, they decided to go a little more synthesizer, and they came out with the album The Game, which featured the single Another One Bites the Dust which was their became their best-selling single. So a little bit of background about this one. I hope it's true because Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge and truth, told me, mm-hmm. but Michael Jackson, after seeing Queen's live show, said you should put Another One Bites the Dust as a single. Yes. And it, that's and I mean, obviously, it became popular outside of Michael Jackson, but that recommendation or him seeing them perform that in concert was the inspiration for them pushing that song. Well, I actually have a quote here, Kent, from, okay. from Fred, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. That's a hard last name. Uh, but he says, and I'm not going to do his accent, but just know this is Freddie Mercury speaking. Yeah. Credit for the song should go to Michael Jackson in many ways. He was a fan and friend of ours and kept telling me, Freddie, you need to do a song the cats can dance to. John introduced this riff to us during rehearsal that we all immediately thought of disco, which was very popular at the time. We worked it out, and once it was ready, we played it for Michael. I knew he had a hit as he bobbed his head up and down. That's it. That's the gravy. Release it, and it will top the charts, he said. So we did, and it did. I love it. I love how he speaks, Freddie Mercury, because everything he says, and even going back to people that spoke about him as a child, he'd always say something and he'd say, darling. Yes. Dear. Darling. I was watching an interview with Rami Malek, who played him in in Bohemian Rhapsody, and he said, they're like, was it annoying having the prosthetic teeth in? And he's like, no, because... Then when I had the teeth in, I got to be Freddie Mercury instead of Rami Malek. You know, Rami Malek doesn't walk around and call people darling and sweetheart, but but Freddie Mercury does. And yeah. I, I really liked that about him. I'm like, that's that's fun. Because you, if you listen to any of his interviews, he speaks with a certain uh, eloquence and charm. Yes. That, that well, rock stars don't. And he knew it. Like he even said, he's like, people don't know me if they think they just see me on stage. Mm-hmm. And they were a very present band. Their music videos preceded popular music videos by a long time. Yes. Yeah, so in fact, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, they made the music video because they were going to appear on a show mm-hmm. and they made the music video to appear on their behalf because they were doing something else and they didn't want to miss it. Right. And, but that was kind of like everyone went, oh, that, that was like seven years before MTV started showing music videos. But that set the stage for like, oh, a video can really help promote right. a song. And so you see Freddie, Freddie Mercury. I'm just going to call him Freddie from now on because we're friends, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. He was this persona on stage where he was larger than life. If mm-hmm. you've seen any of their, I mean, people probably have seen like Live 8, for example, which we'll get into, yeah. but it was this grand performance. But he said, if they think that's me, it's not. Yeah. 
Like that's me I, on stage. I'm actually a very nice person off stage, sweetheart. It's, it's true. Most performers too is like they have a persona they put on stage, but right. in real life, I well, you'd hope so. Yeah, you hope the vanity wouldn't straight up get to them. Yeah, but then that's what I want to point out too is so this is when they were getting really big, mm-hmm. and uh, they went from having six people at their one gig to selling out three shows at Madison Square Garden in September of 1980. Like people wanted to see them. They were doing hundreds, uh, hundred thousand crowd, three hundred thousand crowds down in, in Brazil. Argentina. Argentina. Yeah, in, yeah. I think they were one of the first American bands to ever play in a stadium in South America or something like that. I, okay. Something like that. The, the Wikipedia source of the truth told me that. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, then they start having this really kind of major success. Under Pressure was one of those songs that David Bowie just happened to be there. They start jamming and weird? they create a hit. And it's actually, and we're going to talk about this because by the way, we're going to go through some of our favorite and least favorite songs we on will. the show. Yes. But there's this album called Hot Space, which I really think was a lull in their career. Yes. In For many reasons. that came out. The band was kind of having some discord. Obviously, Freddie was having some issues with, with drugs. Yes. And, and we got into this with our Beach Boys show, which was all about Brian Wilson just struggling with addiction. Yeah. With this album, Hot Space. Yes. It's a very poor album, but oh, David uh, Bowie... Oh, go ahead. You say poor album. Poor. This was the one that Michael Jackson said that so he cited Hot Space as an influence for Thriller as his own album. What? He loved Hot Space. What? Because it has a more... It Michael definitely Jackson has, loves Hot Space. It has a disco dance club feel to it. Very unlike Queen. Yeah. But apparently it had its place as well. But it did have Under Pressure on it, which sounds unique to the rest of the album. But it wasn't recorded for the album. Like right. Said, it was this jam session. They were goofing around and then they made this song and then put that on the album. Oh, before I forget. Yeah. Before Hot Space came out, they actually did come out with their greatest hits which was from their greatest hits from 1974 to 1981, mm. which is the best-selling album in the UK. Not the best-selling, like, greatest hits album. The best-selling a- album. Approximately one in three families in the UK own a copy of this album. Wow. It was also certified nine times platinum in the US and has sold over 25 million copies worldwide. And it spent over 400 weeks on the US Billboard 200. I own 400 weeks. I, I do, have. too. Yeah. I'm not even a greatest hits guy. And it's an essential own. You own this yeah. album? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. And don't they have three Greatest Hits albums? Well, there's Greatest Hits there, 1, Greatest Hits 2, and then Platinum. There's, there's two solid ones, and then the one they put out kind of well, after this, the fact. I, like I was going to say, definitely their 1974-1981 Greatest Hits is the biggest one. Right. The second one, there's some good stuff on there. The third one, there's one or two. Mm-hmm. But. Well, there's a um, Greatest Hits Platinum Hits or something like that. Like, it starts with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Silver. I can see the, the cover right now. But yeah. yeah. But that's then, a good one. I think because of a little bit of blowback against Hot Space, uh, they kind of stopped doing... They they took a break. In Mm. 1983, they kind of took a break from doing live performances. All of them were working on solo acts. Roger Taylor, I think, had an album come out at this time. Yeah. Freddie Mercury was working on a solo act. Brian Way was working on a solo act. It's true. But they were still Queen. They were still performing together. They were still doing concerts down in South America. Well, it's funny because they did a few concerts. Uh, They're not a very political band. Which I love. Yeah. Because if you're a band in the 70s, early 80s, you could be pretty political. Yes. And, you know, a lot of bands were on purpose. Queen was just there to entertain. Yes. And I love them for it. And so they do they do a lot of acts in countries where they were asked not to by the UN. Yeah. Like South Africa, for example. Yeah. South and they're Africa, like, no. hey, we're just we're just here to perform. And granted, they did have to cancel a lot of performances, but they're like, we're just here for the people in, yes, crappy countries with crappy leadership, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we're here because 300,000 people want us to be here. Yes. And they were kind of, uh, they got in trouble. Like, Twitter canceled before, 30 years before there was Twitter, <laughs> basically. Yeah. They did a lot of uh, big performances that way. 
And then there came, I think, this resurgence for them in 1985. Yeah, because they had uh, they had some downtime. There yes. was some blowback in the United States. They kind of lost some popularity there. They actually didn't tour in the North America for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming it on Flash Gordon, but probably it's Flash Gordon. <laughs> it's Flash Gordon's yes, fault. Uh, I should point out, yes, they did the soundtrack for the 1980 movie Flash Gordon. Yeah. Uh, which is where Flash, ah, uh, if you recognize that song, Pike Big right. fans. Matt's. But they also did the soundtrack for uh, Highlander, Highlander. Uh, with uh, a kind of magic. And so they did a couple movie soundtracks as mm-hmm. well. Uh, neither one's maybe their best work. Sure. But it definitely got them more exposure. And then in 1985, as you mentioned, Kent, they did Live Aid. Yeah. Which was a big fundraiser, shall we say. Right. For uh, Ethiopian, Ethiopia, I believe. The famine. The famine it, Ethiopia. It, it's funny, the, the background of Live Aid. So they weren't invited to do Band Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Right. Because they were seen as not political enough or making the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of spite. But finally, when Bob Geldof put together Live Aid, he was like, hey, Queen, we need you for 22 minutes. Yeah. Well, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody makes yeah. it seems like they'd broken up and they weren't together anymore. No, they were, they were together. And then they get together for Live Aid. And it's That's right. Yeah. Like in the movie, basically, uh, this is when Fred, Freddie tells the rest of the band, guys, I have AIDS. Let's go perform. Yeah. And yeah. Did he not didn't happen. tell the band for years. No, yeah. He, well, he, he didn't, didn't get it for years. He didn't for two years, years after yeah. that. That's when yeah. he got diagnosed. But they performed this act and everyone was blown away. Queen didn't want to perform because they don't like performing during the day. Mm. They want the more theatrical night view. I think there was, what, 90,000 people in the crowd. There like, was like over, 1. A mil- 9, over a million, like almost a million, million people, people watching. watching it on TV. And so this exposure was crazy. Elton John oh, was like, you 1. guys... 1.9 billion is what it says it's here. a billion? That's what it says. Elton John said, you guys just stole the show. There's no way anyone can follow this. And it was just this amazing... Uh, and even though they were still a band, it was a resurgence for them, especially... Well, uh, go ahead. I think they had a little bit of creative burnout after Hot Space. Mm. And that's why you know, they do their solo acts. They weren't. And like 1983 took a big from live live shows because they weren't big on it. I think this reinvigorated them as like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. This is fun. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think they kind of had that resurgence, as you mentioned, after this. So we did mention it, but Freddie Mercury was diagnosed with HIV in 1987, but he kept it very quiet. Yeah, in fact, I'd like to just get into his like personal life. And once again, if you've seen the movie... There's a lot of fiction here, but they get a lot of the characters right, but maybe not how they met in their actual relationship, correct? Ideas are, are good. Right. And so, for example, like Mary Austin is a major character or an actual person in real life, but a character right. in the movie. And so he met Mary Austin when he was 24. She was 19 years old. He's this aspiring singer. And they really took to each other. In fact, they got engaged. Uh, obviously, the engagement didn't work out. He did come out to her as bisexual, but they never ended their friendship. He actually said... Everyone asked me why they couldn't replace Mary, like everyone in relationships in his life. And he said, but it's simply impossible. The only friend I've got is Mary, and I don't want anybody else. To me, she was my common law wife. To me, it was a marriage. We believe in each other, and that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. And their friendship continued. And I forget how they kind of portray this in the movie, but their friendship continued, I mean, even into uh, giving her basically everything he owned. Yeah. It, 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 it does that in the movie where he keeps going back to her as her, is his constant. Right. And then in the movie as well, they talk about a character like right at the end of the movie, which I feel like they kind of just glossed over. Uh, the timeline is a bit off there, but there's uh, Jim Hutton. And mm-hmm. so Jim Hutton and Freddie were in a relationship for seven years until the end of Freddie's life. They say he was like a like a butler or but he met him at a club. And this guy, Jim Hutton, didn't even recognize Freddie Mercury. And I think Freddie kind of loved that because he was, was some- this 
worldwide star. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, here's just this guy that doesn't know me at all. So they were in a relationship for seven years before his death. And yeah, and those were his two biggest relationships. Yeah. But so he like he kept it very close to his chest. He didn't talk to the public about his diagnosis, but people noticed. Like people oh. would see him in music videos or on stage. Well, it's interesting because it's like the years before paparazzi, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably 15 years before paparazzi were a thing. Yeah. But the media speculated about his relationships, drug use, well, and, and him his sickness. Yeah, he stopped touring after the kind of magic tour mm-hmm. and uh, didn't do any more tours after that because he just he wasn't filling up well, for well, it. Well, and the band agreed not to. Yeah, and the band they all talked about it together once the, once they found out and they yeah. said, okay, let's let's take it easy. And then as they recorded, like he would near the end, he would come into the studio for like an hour or two at the time yeah. and just do the recording he could. He apparently he could barely walk when they recorded the show must go on in 1990, which wow gives that song so much weight, so much right. weight to me. He knew he was nearing the end of his life, and he would say to them, "This is just what uh, Brian May said." He said, "He just kept saying, write me more, write me stuff. I just want to sing this and do it. And when I am gone, you can finish it off." And so they'd write these songs wow. for him, and he'd record the tracks eventually. Uh, in because uh, they recorded one more album with him. Oh, what was that? What was that penultimate album? Why can't I remember it right now? Innuendo. Yes, I believe it's Innuendo. Yeah, Innuendo. So they recorded Innuendo as the last one he was around. Really, for. it's it's their true final album. I would say so. Yes, yes. although and it's a banger. So then, uh, and <laughs> then he one. he came out with a, a statement in November in twenty third of November nineteen ninety one. He said a prepared statement on his deathbed. He said that he had AIDS. And then less than 24 hours later, he passed Isn't away. Isn't that crazy? And that, it's just so sad. Yeah, he finally passed away of bronchial pneumonia, obviously due to complications uh, yeah. caused by AIDS. Yeah. But one but, day after telling everyone. Yeah. But then, like you said, he had all these tracks. And so they made this album. Four years later, they made an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, made in Heaven. Made in Heaven. Mm-hmm. And it is final recordings that he gave them. And also ones from his solo album that they've reworked as Queen songs. Right. So they kind of pieced together stuff. And it's actually, it's not a bad album. It's a it's good not bad. album. Yeah. And it's very upbeat. It's, it's like a B-Sides album. Right. You no, know, it's not, yeah. not, no hit singles, but good music. But here was the weirdest thing to me. And, oh, I should have talked about that, that, this about the beginning. Because personal experience with Queen, how would you get into it, guys? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into this. this. Right. But I just, this is kind of for me. Yeah. Is Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World came out in 1992. 1992. They have that famous scene in the Wayne's World movie when they put Bohemian Rhapsody on a cassette tape. They put Bohemian Rhapsody in the car and they all sing along. Yes. And as a kid, I'm like, what is this song? That Isn't was, it funny that you knew that it was a good song? That was months after his death. Yeah. And, and it, it, it put that in perspective was so weird to me that Freddie Mercury was that close to when that Bohemian Rhapsody on Wayne's World came out. Yeah. And in fact, he got to see it. Freddie Mercury got to see that scene. Really? Um, uh, Mike Myers asked Brian May to show it to Freddie Mercury and see if it was okay. Really? And okay. Uh, Brian May said he took the segment to Freddie Mercury and he said, quote, I took it to Fr- around Freddie, who was not in a good state at that time, and he was confined to his bed, but I took it around and played it for him and he loved it. And he said, yeah, keep that in the movie. Well, and it, the single Bohemian Rhapsody was re-released and it hit like number two on Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. And, you, and they won an MTV award for the music video, which was a reworked version of the original music video, but with Wayne's World yeah. clips. In Wayne's it. World feels trivial, but do you feel like that's why the song still has just as much legacy today? I'll tell you right now, it's why... I mean, I knew Queen songs before. You but did? I didn't. I, I knew, I, like, We Will Rock You and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, and, sure. And the chipmunks sing Crazy Little Thing Called Love. <laughs> but uh, So I knew those. But this was the one where I went, I like this song. And I like, first of all, I just listened to that part, just the fast part. I was like, oh, the other stuff I'm not that interested in. Mm-hmm. But then I listened to the whole song. I'm like, this is really good. And then I started listening to the whole album. This is really good. And so, be, for, well, at least for me, because of Wayne's What 11-year-old or 12-year-old thinks, oh, hey, this six-minute song is freaking awesome. 
Yeah. Like you don't have patience for a six minute song at that age. No, no. But, but at the same time, six minutes. That was the other thing I really like about Queen. I'm sorry, Zach. But they weren't rush length songs. Right. Like this was like. Well, there doing, are some, but very few. Even then, I, there's only one song that's, that's really long, like 22 minutes. Yeah. But and then I think eight minutes is their next highest one. Yeah, even the twenty-two minute song, there's a lot of silence. Yeah, innuendos yeah. long. Obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody. Is but long. they're all like you know, song. Most of their Profit songs song. are four or five minutes at mm-hmm. tops. Yeah, and I think that's a great place to be when you're a classic rock. Especially band. the um, you know the late seventies, early eighties. You start to get into really radio friendly music. Yeah. And so, so about the same time, so nineteen ninety two. It's actually April of nineteen ninety two. There was a tribute concert for mm-hmm. Freddie uh, held at Wembley Stadium, which. It's kind of my bucket list to go to Wembley, Wembley. and see a concert. Really? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Not, not see a tennis match? Technically, the... Well, I do that, That's Wembley. Yes. <laughs> the current oh, Wembley is actually a rebuilt Wembley. Oh, so it wouldn't be the same? It's not the same. But they still I'd do still massive go concerts see Muse there. or something? Muse at my Wembley was, is a great video. So, but at this tribute concert, they had Elton John, David Bowie, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Def Leppard, Seal... <laughs> But just all of these people, George Michael as well. Sorry, I'm sorry I didn't mention George Michael. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. But all these major acts that had this love for Queen and Freddie. And yeah, it was televised to over 1.2 billion viewers, raised over 20 million for AIDS charities. Mm -hmm. And so as they moved on, like we said, they had the release of the album 1995 Mm -hmm. of Made in Heaven, which was his final recordings. 1997 was the last performance of John Deacon. He retired after that. The bass player. Uh, yeah, he no longer did anymore. Because um, they, they had... So after Freddie Mercury died, they took a break for a bit, but then yep. they decided to come back and do more. And every time they'd perform after that, it would be Queen Plus. plus. It was, so it was basically else. a streaming service. Queen Plus. Yeah, Queen Plus. But, yeah. it was, but like, for example, it was Queen Plus Paul Rogers. Right. And, they and did he was release, from what bands? Uh, he was from Bad Company. Yeah. And uh, they did release an album, Queen Plus, uh, Paul Rogers, and uh, they had that album at the end there, but it's not an official Queen album, so mm-hmm. I listened to part of it. Because we listened to all the studio albums. Yeah. want to point that out again. So fun. It's a fun thing to do is, is see the progression. Not always extremely consistent, but still really fun. Yeah, but that one wasn't as, as good. The Cosmos Rocks was the name of that one. Right. Yeah, that went until 2009. Yes, and then they parted amicably with him. Yes. And Wait, got, when did that start? So that was 2004 to 2009. Okay. Yeah. Because so we, we really did, late. There is a very quick uh, throw in uh, in 2001, uh, the movie A Knight's Tale. There is uh, Robbie Williams in Queen. Yes. Yeah. He did that for a bit. And then they, they were working with American Idol and were performing where they had him perform uh, Queen songs. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they had this uh, kind of finale with them singing with Chris Allen and runner up Adam Lambert. Right. And they were really impressed with Adam Lambert's voice. And so Adam Lambert, since 2009 has been the Freddie Mercury role in Queen. Now, do, do they still consider it Queen plus Adam Lambert? Yes. Okay. They still say that. And he, honestly, I remember that. I remember that season of American Idol. I, I don't really watch the show, but... Yeah, he, back, he, we, back when we did. Well, it's he was a big deal. Everyone's like, Adam Lambert's... He made kinda, a splash. He, he's got a he Freddie Mercury thing going on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people ask, like, you know, his voice is nothing like Freddie's, but there's something about uh, his... A very glam look. Yeah, yeah his right. panache. You're like, okay, I, you're kind of... You would probably be good singing Queen songs. And so I actually loved that that relationship came together because he's saying, I know he's saying a Queen song on the show, but it's like, this is a good fit. So I think it's fitting. Yeah. People may not agree, but I think it's They haven't put together an album. No. They did did a um, live album. Okay. You Are the Champions. It, a single. And it's, it, well, they did You Are the Champions during pandemic, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, but they, there is a live album that they put out. And honestly, it's not my favorite because... I like Adam Lambert as a performer, but um, he's a little hard to understand. 
okay. on the album. So he doesn't denunciate. Uh, no, it's a, it's a little hard to hear, but mm. yeah. Forgot to mention in 2001, they were inducted into the Hall of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2018, they were presented a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. And then in 2018 also is the year Bohemian Rhapsody. When we keep saying the movie, we're yeah, talking about movie. Bohemian Rhapsody. That came out and that made Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, re-entered the US Billboard Hot 100 for the third time. Isn't that crazy? It charted in 1976, 1992, and 2018. The same song because it keeps getting brought up and, and people keep... So should we jump right into them in movies and media? Sure. Obviously, already mentioned, the, I think... The big one, uh, Ella Enchanted. Um, yes, <laughs> Ella. And, no, I was thinking Happy Feet. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brittany Murphy saying uh, actually Moulin Rouge as well. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. So I remember the show must go on. Show must go yeah. on. I did not know that was a Queen song. Really. And so when I heard it, I'm like, Oh, that's a Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I heard it they, first. They do a great way. job of it. But obviously, when you look at their career, the big one you've got uh, Flash Gordon. We, we talked about Flash. that. So, Joel, you watched uh, Flash Gordon. I did. I watched the movie. Yeah. Holy cow, it's campy and terrible. It's terrible. It really was. But I think in the right circumstances, it would be fun to watch the group and laugh at it. Uh-huh. it it's really bad. And the soundtrack. But like, yeah, how is the soundtrack fit with the movie? It's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the title song is fun, but even that is a little campy. Right. So I watched Highlander last yes. night. And it's Highlander been, the movie, not Highlander the, the series. The movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely not The Quickening. And it's been a while since I've seen the movie, and the music's pretty fitting. I think they do five tracks for it, mm-hmm. and it was cool because, like, for example, like Who Wants to Live Forever, Brian May watched the movie and then was like, oh, that was a cool scene. I'm going to write Who Wants to Live Forever based on that scene. Yes, which I actually love that song, and I think I, I did on one of our In Memoriams for the Oscars mm-hmm. show. I talk about In Memoriam, I was like, rest in peace, you know, me being a hipster for liking Who Wants to Live Forever, because I right. love that song, but yeah. now everyone loves it because it's in the movie. Right. But Princess of the Universe... Love that one. Great song. Yeah. That was then actually ended up being the, the theme song for the yeah. Highlander series. So I've never actually seen the Highlander or Highlander. It's or so 80s. I've I don't know yeah. if you can I've get ne- through it. I've never seen it. I'll watch the rebooted think, series with Henry Cavill. I'll yeah. save it for a Highlander show, but yeah. I like the concept. I like the series. Yeah. I like the book. I did not like the movies. Sean Connery's good in the movie. I did not like the movies. I, from the sounds of it, I hear I hear the Queen pairing, and I immediately start thinking about Prince and Batman 1989. Not oh, that no, bad. no. It's not, that not as dated better. as no. that. Okay. No. But the it, movie is incredibly dated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Real quick about Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie. Yes. We talked about some of the inconsistencies with the timeline. Sure. And kind of maybe more of his like drug abuse and whatnot. But I, I've been following like this movie since 2010. Because they originally wanted Sasha Baron Cohen to play Freddie Mercury. And he wanted to, to do and it. And he was, yeah. I think he is the perfect guy to do it because Rami Malek, yeah, he got an Oscar for the, for the role, put on a, a big pair of dentures basically, but his, I think his face is too small. And I think he only really nails the part when he has the mustache. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think Sasha would have done perfectly. But I guess he had some issues with Brian May and Roger Taylor. He, uh, From what I understand, uh, mm-hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to make a very dark movie. Yeah. He wanted to explore a like, lot of the Not a concert things. movie, but no. way behind the scenes. Yes, a very much a behind Ooh. the music thing. Right. Freddie Mercury's 5'10", Sasha Baron Cohen's 6'3". Just saying. Well, a lot of people who were 5'10", probably claim 6'3", so it's fine. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and, then, sure. and then they were going to get Ben Whishaw yeah. a couple of years later. and then The it voice just, of Paddington? Yeah. And it just didn't work out. It was creative differences once again. Well, and then he also, he just stepped away from the project right. to go do a little uh, James Bond franchise. Something like that. But funny. I think he would have been great. And then they made the movie, and obviously there were issues with the production of the movie based on the director leaving and editing nightmares. But, you know, it still worked out, and we have the movie to kind of represent a look at Queen. 
Yeah. Not, the, not the most accurate, but it's, still a look. It's like a two-hour music video. It's like, oh, how can the, we showcase Queen songs? The Live Aid, the live aid footage is amazing. The it, way it that matches they it pretty well. shot and recreated Live Aid is amazing. But watch the real one. Why not just watch the real one? That's true. That's yeah. true. Because there's more tricky camera movements through everybody's legs and everything. Mm, it's true. really cool. But yeah, I think Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't particularly like the movie, right. yet I love it. Because it's just loaded with Queen music. Well, it's the, true. Well, did you ever see the musical We Will Rock You? No. Which is it's neither. based on Queen music. I haven't seen it, but it's one of those that I was just like, it came out in like 2002, I think, or something like that. But I just thought to myself, I want to see it because it features Queen music. Yeah, that's right. all you need. in something, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of music. Woo! Yeah. Here we go. The focus of this show now is we're going to go worst. And we're sorry. We're sorry, mostly for the playlist. We're gonna put because <laughs> we're gonna put a playlist we're gonna put Spotify. some really horrible songs on this playlist that we will share on social media. Yes, in Spotify.com, you'll be able to find this playlist where we have our best and worst Queen songs. Yes. that we're gonna be talking about. But we're today. also adding a little uh, mix in there, maybe a Zach attack. Yes. So what we'll do here, we're gonna have five of our or least favorite bottom five, bottom five, our five top five, and then we're gonna throw in three honorable mention songs, some awards, and some awards. Just to just to give you a little uh, I don't know extra that wasn't quite in those two categories because I do worry I do worry gentlemen that they're all going to have the same be, songs yeah it's going to be like a five it's going to be a five song playlist because it's our, all our top five are going to be the same it might be I tried to think of that because honestly if I tried to make a favorite queen list there's probably a set of twelve songs I could rotate through and easily be happy with. I I texted my uh, family this morning and just kind of said okay. Which omissions from my top five Queen songs will get me disowned from the family? Yeah. Like if I don't include these, which one's going to get me in trouble? And they reached out and told me, and I thought, okay, I think I'm okay. I want to know after. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. okay. Okay. So as we get into this list, Joel, you kind of mentioned your connection to Queen. Kent, what's your... What's your yeah, same. Wayne's connection. World was Wayne's my World? introduction. Yeah. And then I think it was just road trips. My brother, uh, he was the one that introduced me to a lot of music I liked in the uh-huh. early 90s. And so it would be a lot of the uh, We Will Rock You, We Are sure. The Champions. And then I heard Killer Queen when I think when I was 16. And I was like, holy cow, this song is freaking awesome. Granted, I still only knew their greatest hits. I'm normally a, an album guy, a deep, deep cut, cut guy. guy. Mm-hmm. But it's never been that case until I listened to their full discography now. Really? really? Yeah. And so my exposure was limited. Queen has a surprising, like a surprisingly large catalog. There's yes. a lot of songs to delve into. A ton. Yeah. Uh, my connection to them is through that Greatest Hits album. Uh, my parents got it, and uh, we would listen. Because you were two when Wayne's World came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had seen it. Oh, no. I, I grew up with that movie. I'd seen it, but I didn't quite make the connection that that was Queen. Until my parents got the album, and uh, we had it on CD, and then we finally got a car with the CD player in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would be driving to school and listening to this album, specifically the songs, uh, I think it goes... Uh, we will rock you. We are the champions. Another one bites the dust, and then bicycle race and fat bottom girls. I think th- that's pretty close. Did you to always kind of giggle at fat bottom girls? <laughs> kind <laughs> of, did. yeah, yeah. Well, I, but we, I still do. This the song on repeat because we were young. The song on repeat was bicycle race. We would just like listen to it over and over because me and my little brother, bicycle. who's six years younger than me, we just because it's like slapstick almost. Yeah, because it's yeah. goofy and it's fun and right. So yeah. it'd be kind of. By the way, in that song, up. he does say, "I never liked Star Wars." That's not true. Freddie Mercury actually liked Star Wars. It was just for the song. Oh, well, I just lost some respect. Oh, I got to change my list here. I should like <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Like Led Zeppelin. I'll talk about it later, but there's actually a moment where I, my respect for Queen really grew, and it's when I was able to actually watch some music videos. But I will talk about that when we get to that song. Okay. Okay. So who wants to start us off with the fifth worst Queen song? Mine's a cheat because it's actually a lot. But my fifth worst 
is just anything on hot space. Oh, come on. Just under pressure. Except for under pressure. Except for under pressure. Yeah. I said, my, I wrote here, almost everything on hot space. Because hot it's, space it's a synth heavy album. Why would they do that? If you didn't know it was Queen, if you didn't already have that, you know, <laughs> Why would stigma, you listen to it then? No, but I'm saying it's, it's not that bad. It's not my favorite. I think it's, it is kind of a, their worst album. I, yeah. just, I did bring a selection, though, oh, uh, please. Of, of it. Please. I, I don't mind this song, but it's not very Queen. Man, when I think of Queen, <laughs> ladies, girl, this is what I'm thinking of. This is like very so what? Th- this is when, like, so he had a manager at this time that basically said, I want I want you to do more music that could be played in clubs, not the rock stuff. Yeah. This is where this is coming this from. This is the song Cool Cat. They basically like Oh, Yo- Cool Cat's bad. <laughs> cool Cat's real this bad. This is a real bad song. They basically like Yoko Ono with that manager. Isn't this a song that David Bowie was meant to do backing vocals on and he backed yeah. out of yeah. the song? This is the one where he, he recorded the backing vocals and he, he heard how it turned out and he's like, nah, I don't want to like, be on that. Yeah, he cool demanded cat. that yeah. he be pulled back. Yeah. yeah. By it's, the way, there's a lot of cat-themed songs in Queen's discography. Enough, because yes. we haven't talked about him yet. He was obsessed with cats. Yeah. We'll get into it. We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> yes. So uh, my, yeah, number Joel, five, you're next. My, my number five bottom actually comes from their 1974 album Sheer Heart Attack. It's in the lap of the gods. I touch your lips with mine. You like this song? It's kind of interesting. Like, interesting Queen songs are interesting. Who's singing? Doesn't matter because it's apparently a, ro- a drunk robot. I love songs by drunk robots. This is one of the longer songs, right? It's about five minutes. This one's longer, and they just repeat this right here. Repeat that for like 10 minutes at the end, it felt yeah. like. This was one, so this one, I just the high, weird, muddled voices I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, this was what Ruz written by Freddie Mercury, and he does the d- vocals. So there you go, Zach. Uh, but the highest notes are sung by Taylor. But it's just, they had, they had two songs on this album. It was in the Lap of the Gods and in the Lap of the Gods Revisited. It had nothing to do with each other. I just didn't. It, it feels like to this a one. Beach Boys harmony, but in a total Queen song. It just there was like some. It's, it's purposely there. weird. It is weird, and it yeah. was it was it just stuck out to me on that album. It's like don't like that one because most of these albums, I liked them. It wasn't like some of our other challenges where I've been like I just got to get through this album. Yeah. Like every album had two or three nuggets that I really enjoyed, and the most of it was fine. Right. Yeah. So there it goes my my number All five right. was in the lap of the gods. I feel like now it's a competition to see who has the five worst the five best worst songs. Oh, I've got the worst. Okay, let's see how it goes because my fifth worst is called Machines Back to Humans. So this is from The Works from 1984. Uh, most of the song is just a robot saying, Machines, machines. Got a machine head. Exterminate. And it sounds like a robot in a toilet stall, like taking a break from work, <laughs> just thinking something through. And then the song is just him going in the machines. It's kind of like the inspiration for the Flight of the Concord song. The uh, humans are dead. Yeah, because he's talking about like, at least there's no more feelings or anything like that. But it's like, but <laughs> let's get back to humans. You could tell Freddie Mercury is giving this song like a solid effort, but it's just so cheesy and tacky. Yeah. So machines. Okay. Zach, what do you got? Well, you said so cheesy. I'm going to see you're so cheesy and raise you. Rain must fall. <laughs> Hot space again. I hate this. This song. is from <laughs> the. This is from the 1989 album, The Miracle. No, that's this from Sonic Three. <laughs> it sounds like it. Huh? Yeah, I hate this song. It is. Oh, 
I just don't feel like again. It's not a Queen song. It's but like it's he's kind on of a cruise annoying. ship. Yes. Yeah. This yes. almost this was an honorable mention for worse. It's like Queen goes to Wendover. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. don't like it. I can see that one. Don't. <laughs> but you guys, good. you guys, it's not Delilah. Wait for it. Here it comes. So this song cat, cat is about too. his cat. It's very confusing if you don't know what's about his cat because there's there's lyrics. Such <laughs> turn it as, off, Joel. Turn it, it off. Turn it off. But here's some of the lyrics. Delilah, Delilah. Oh my, oh my, oh my. You're unpredictable. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You make me so very happy when you cuddle up and go to sleep beside me. And then you make me slightly mad when you pee all over my Chippendale suite. It could if be you about didn't know a human. It about a, no, it could not. It could because some of their songs are pretty weird, Joel. He talks about getting away with murder. So, oh, by the way, uh, Delilah is one of it's his favorite female calico cat that he had. Yeah. He had 11 cats, but Delilah was special is what it said here. But I just I listened to the song and at first I was like, what is the song? It's like you get away with murder and I can't remember all like you scratch my face and I'm just like, yeah. what is happening here? But he wrote a song. It's a bad song about his cat. This is innuendo. This is their 1991 album, his last album before his passing. Yeah, I feel like we're doing a trilogy of Casio keyboard songs done by Queen <laughs> because yeah. my fourth worst is my baby does me. And this is from my The Miracle baby. from 1989. I love that we haven't overlapped yet, but I'm really worried you guys are going to steal my some of mine. Oh, and this is this song. It's just my baby does. My baby loves. My baby understands. And the lyrics are so simplistic. He's not even trying at this point. Um, and this just sounds like this. And I know there's a cat theme, but it sounds like something that a filthy cartoon tomcat would sing in an alley. <laughs> and it's just, it's, there's a drum machine as well. It's, it's pathetic. And I hate okay. it so much. All right. I, I think that's perfectly acceptable, Ken. We've had some fun here today, guys. It sounds yeah. like you're going to close it off at number three. No, well, I am. For me, this is where people just are going to disown oh, me. Hate Zach. Hate Remember Zach. the Beach Boys show where I said I love the Beach Boys and put some controversial choices? Yes. Hey, hot this, this, according to a 2011 survey done in the UK, a scientific study said that this is the catchiest song in popular music. Whoa. Hold on. Yep. You were saying this is on we your bottle. We will fight you. Yep. I. I are do you doing this just to put I a good song in the playlist? I want to stomp, stop, clap on your face. You got. <laughs> yeah. I, now you'll thank me for the playlist. I know you probably have this and the other ones. It was going to be on there anyway. But I'll tell you what, Zachy, you're a bad boy. I have a rule when I am shuffling through my music, and that rule is never skip a Queen song unless it's "We Will Rock You." That is disgusting. I skip it every time. Why? Is it because it, it is so standard? It's so overplayed. It's so simple. Yes, there's an awesome Brian you May guitar sports. solo in it. Yeah. But there is awesome Brian May guitar solos all over. And I just, I will skip this song every time. What about time. We Are the Champions? Oh, I better not say that because that may come next. <laughs> we'll see. But Good yeah. heavens. Wow. Joel, Joel, save us. That uh, is hot, hot take Zach. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just. He's I'm, back, everybody. So the thing is, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to explain mine before I play it. Okay. Because for my number three pick, I chose The Prophet Song from Night at the Opera, uh, 1975. Hold not on. Hold on. I like the song. Oh, good for you. Uh, <laughs> I like We Will Rock You. You saw what happened there. <laughs> so this song is eight minutes long. It's, it's three long minutes song. longer than Bohemian Rhapsody. And it is, it is their longest studio song, not counting their instrumental Made in Heaven song, which right. is 22 minutes long. And it's all just, you know, weird. Filler, yeah. But this one, it's not a bad song. Mm-hmm. 
until it gets to this acapella section in the middle. Is this what you're about to play? Yes. Okay. Oh, people, can you hear me? Okay, I'm okay with this. It's nice. It's not a bad. chant. Yeah. Oh, don't repeat that. Okay, okay, harmonies are okay. We're doing okay again. Oh, this is going a little long. Am I tripping? What is happening? Oh, he's just screaming. Smelly cat, smelly cat. <laughs> so this was made by Brian May. He said he wrote the song after a dream he had about a great flood while he was recovering from when he had hepatitis and ulcers and all that. Uh, and the lyrics refer to the book of Genesis. But It's just, an interesting song because their first couple albums were very fantastical. Oh, yeah. We right? didn't talk about that. Right? At the beginning, they're talking about fairies and, and ogres. trolls and but ogres. They and, take a break from that, but then Prophet's song gets right back into it. Yeah, but this one is like... Like I said, I like the surrounding song, but that acapella section in the middle, yeah. that made me want to take I'm right there with you. I like the song. I could skip that easily. Yeah. You know, that's a bad song, but it isn't. Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Joel. I kept my mouth shut when you were no, playing it's Delilah. Fine. It's fine. Because. It's lyrics. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's It's definitely better than Hey There, Delilah. But it's uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> Disagree. Uh, uh, the lyrics, Joel, you already Quiet, read them. We will rock you, hater. <laughs> but yeah, when you peel over my Chippendale suite, the the fact that they have a verse dedicated to meows, and it's not only meow. the band saying meow, but there's electric meows that happen as well. Yeah, grating electric meows. It's real bad. So Delilah is my number three. Good. We have a, we have a crossover. It means it's really bad. Yeah, it means that we can skip a bad song on the playlist. Zach, offend us again, <laughs> please. Mister number two. He's ready. He's going to. Joel, Joel, should we end the show now? Oh, come on. Is this a joke? I really don't like it. How? Is this? I skipped the pair. A Zach attack? That is disgusting. Wow. I'm feeling happy just listening to it. And you're over there like, this is your number two? I can play the nose flute to this one. Don't like it. Okay, you you may not like it. You may think they're overplayed because I get that sentiment. But why would you put it on your five worst? It's so simple, Joel. You've said before many times on this show that you don't like simple, simple. Okay, lyrics, no, no, so simple, I, simple songs. But like easy rhymes done poorly is what I don't like. But simple you put songs you put fine. the entirety of Hot Space as number five. Any one of the Hot Space songs that's not under pressure yeah, you put are worse than five. these. Okay, maybe this is in an exact order. Maybe it's in a little dramatic order. Why do you get still. New York when you say that? <laughs> because I just... I, this is He's a, ready to fight. This is a skip every time. No! I think this song is so cheesy now. It's How been... It has been you. sullied by pop culture. Oh, has it been sullied by like fuck. 90s basketball games? And I know I have the rule of it's not the song's fault that it's overplayed, but every time... I, I will never listen to this song all the way through again. But You're that's right. a show. <laughs> You're making Joel so mad. Catchiest song ever. Nope, not for me. No. Also, I I, I also kind of wanted to cheat, and I these are most of the time considered to be one song put together. Yeah. So I I accidentally filled it. My, like my. I, I had a feeling you'd go there. I I was speaking of catchy songs. How about this one? Blow your brains out. Don't do that. Yeah. This is Don't Try Suicide. Don't do got a good thing going, By the, it's on the album The Game, 1980. No. Wait, wait. Don't try suicide. Nobody's worth it. Nobody cares. What? You're just gonna hate it. <laughs> what? Hold on. This sounds like a do-up song, Joel. It is. Joel, I'm saying this because this is my number two as well. Is it? We yeah. matched? Hey, this song 
is so out of place. Oh, it's so weird. Okay. And by the way, you're not including the lyrics or the parts of the song that are actually quite sexual. Yes. Because it goes there. Yeah. It gets weird. Yeah. But the thing about this song is I get what they were going for. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do this anti-suicide song to like help people realize, hey, don't do it. It's not worth it. But they honestly, the lyrics are, don't try suicide. Nobody's worth it. Don't try suicide. Nobody cares. Don't try suicide. You're just going to hate it. Don't try to suicide. You're nobody just gives, nobody cares. hate it. What? What are they talking about? There's so many better ways, so much more nuance you could add to a well, song. And the tone is so wrong, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try suicide. It's like yeah, and it gets a little cheery even in the end, too. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's ill fitting. This song has never been performed I was live. Say, I can't the imagine they would have ever done that live. It makes me feel like they did the song at when, probably when they were high. And they listened to the album. They're like, oh, no. Man, we got to put can't a song Can't do on that. So, Hurry, deadline's tomorrow. Put the song on. But yeah. the, I, wish, I wish they would have, like, Change the lyrics to something better because that tune is great. Like, don't drink pineapple. It is disgusting. <laughs> That's your song. Yeah. I'd love that song. That would be like a number one best. <laughs> but yeah. So there we go. We- so, Zach, it is up to you to pick the worst Queen song. The number one worst Queen okay. song. Hold this on. This is according to me, oh. not according to... Like, you have played some really bad songs. But for me, there, there's a principle here. And, and the, with my last two as well, I always skip those ones. This one is also an always skip. This uh, wins this award for me. Of why is this on greatest hits? <laughs> yep. I really hate body language on Hot Space. So I, mean, I already mentioned how much I don't like that album, but I really don't like. So this you put one. the entirety of Hot Space as number five, and then body language. And then body one. language and then is we will even rock worse than the that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Body. Why is this on the Greatest Hits album? So Body language. This is the only good one on that album. No, Body Language is one that me and my friends used to listen to and think it was so stupid that we thought it was funny. And yeah. like, don't talk. Don't talk. Please don't talk. It's, it's I want your body. Language. Baby, you're hot. Yeah, I don't I don't get this one. I, I think there's some cool like bass groove there. But then the song goes the nowhere. Lyrics, the lyrics are atrocious in that yeah. song. Because it was just like kind of give me your body. Because there's obviously there's some cool bass lines. And That's like the whole lyrics. Another mm-hmm. one bites the dust. I see right? the snakes bass, in your eyes. Goes somewhere. Yeah. There's some depth there. Oh, Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't want to know. No, that was definitely one of their more kind of uh, disco friendly songs. I may have been being a troll with the last two, but this is serious. Yeah. I do not think anyone. I like it only because song. of positive association with yeah. me and my friends there we go. and making fun okay. of that song. There we go. So body language is my number so one. Worst. Joel, you did not pick body language as your least I did favorite. Not. I'd like to give a quick uh, honorable mention, by the way, to I'm in love with my car. Yeah. By, it's not uh, great. Apparently, uh, oh, was that was that Dalton? Or was that Deacon or was that Taylor that wrote Roger that? Roger Taylor. But he locked himself. Apparently, Freddie Mercury didn't want it included. Uh, I'm in love with my car. But he locked himself in a closet until Freddie Mercury said, yes, you can include it on the album. That's so and dramatic. It, it was, the, I think it was the B-side of Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. So he got all the the like money from that, too. Wow. Because yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody was selling well. You know, it's... It's not a Queen song. It's just it's weird. not a bad song. No, no I, I, I said that's what I said. I said it doesn't sound like Queen. Weird lyrics. Sounds like Rod Stewart are my notes here. Roger Taylor. Yeah, he has more of a Rod Stewart. He's a classic yeah. rock rocker voice. Yes. Yeah. And and as a head of a different band, I think it would have worked better. Yeah. I don't mind the song, but it's not Queen. And then another album I mentioned was Sheer Heart Attack. It's not a bad song at first, but there's some not really, on the which, album, which is not on Sheer Heart yeah. Attack. Yeah, it's not. There's an album called Sheer Heart Attack, and then later there's a song called Sheer Heart Attack. But there's some really annoying feedback near the end that mm-hmm. I just... That was one of those headphone... Hey, Joel, you're killing me. What's the worst song? Kenny, you're saying uh, I'm torturing you? It's Chinese torture. This is torture for my ear. So this is Chinese torture from The Miracle in 1989. This is uh, Brian May 
trying to uh, convey the horror and fear that Chinese water torture was known to evoke in its victims. Wasn't that Ming's theme song from Flash Gordon as it well? It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's an instrumental song. There's no lyrics. Yeah. It, it, it felt weird to put this in my number one, but this was the one... Grading. ...where I went, I don't ever want to listen to that again. I'm going to skip over that every time. Yeah, it's so, bad. So, Chinese torture is it's, my number it's one. It's bad, but... Body language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Body language is so bad. Joel, that's so tacky. I mean, that's so grading, but this song is so tacky. It, it, it's just... There's nothing to it. This from Hot Space language. from 1982. And I never, I had greatest hits, but I always kind of skipped this one. I never really gave it a second yeah. glance because why would I? Yeah. But having heard Hot Space in its entirety yesterday, man, this was the standout. This is the standout hit. Standout hits. Yeah, that, that shows you how bad It's basically on par with Under Pressure. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got to stop that. Okay. So we are done with the worst. Yes. And I guess it's going to be up to the listener to decide who has the worst list. Well, and you'll be, find out on the playlist. It'll be Joel's. But you'll be you'll be mad at me, but you'll be thanking me when it's on the playlist. <laughs> All right. It's so the playlist in the best section. So well, by the way, on our playlist, yeah. we're going to put best and awards first yeah. and then worst so that mm-hmm. you can listen to all the good stuff. And then if you want to continue totally. down that path. You can go down okay, let's keep it quick. I think we're going hipster songs because, granted, our top five are going to be probably pretty well-known songs. So well, what, are, well, what are songs that are maybe yeah. lesser known or slightly underappreciated? Yeah, and I just can't give three awards out to maybe lesser known, but... Yeah, yeah. These, somewhere they sit in the middle, maybe just below. But right. you have a, a sort of... A, let's give them an award. Yeah. Okay. So I believe we're on Zach. Oh, me? Right. This gets my uh, Mood Booster Award. This is a song is guaranteed to make me feel better every time I hear it. Aww. Inst- right? Instantly. Zach, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. Ready? Ooh, you're making me live. It's, this is a happy, happy song. I feel like I want to share a Coke with you. This sounds like Even it belongs though this on isn't hot, the song. Sounds like it belongs on Hot Space. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. Sure. Synthesizer. No. Synthesizer. No. 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 Dynamic synthesizer is different. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you're my best friend. Gets my mood booster award. I like that pick, Zach. Thank you. You're still not out of the doghouse, though. Thank you. <laughs> The cat house. Uh, my first award. My first award is actually the well, that was a pleasant surprise award. And I'm giving this to a song I discovered when we're listening to their uh, studio albums. And it's called 39. I love this song. It's kind of a country. It's, a, it's, it's got this country it's so folk different. song to it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And I was listening to it going, this is composed by and, and sung by Brian May. And it's on a night at the opera. And it's the B-side to actually, you're my best friend. So this works out nicely, Zach. Yeah. But this is about a tale of a group of space explorers who embark on what is, from their perspective, a year-long voyage. However, when they return, they realize a hundred years have passed and all their friends and family are now long dead. Which is a kind of a depressing thing. But this song just has kind of that... I don't know, Western hope to yeah. it. Like there'll be better days around That's the That's a great song. So yeah. And they actually performed this live for Groucho Marx at his house when they were over to like visit him and thank really? him for giving him the names for a night on the opera and a day at the races. Thank you for not suing us, basically. And, uh, Freddie Mark or not Freddie Mercury, excuse me, George Michael performed it at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Because oh, cool. he said he this was the song he used to busk in the London Underground. Oh, cool. Sing this song. So I like that one a lot. It's gonna go on my playlist now because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Discovering it. So this this is the song I'm in. I'm going to give it the award for "Came Out Swinging." Keep yourself alive. That's yeah. This is their first song on their first album. Yeah. Keep yourself alive. This is probably a better uh, song than "Don't Try Suicide." <laughs> but yes. yeah, from their first album in 1973, this was also their first single, but it didn't really hit it. In no. fact, Brian May actually said. 
Unfortunately, apart from a few places like Japan, it didn't get much airplay. We were told it takes too long to happen, boys. It takes more than half a minute before you get to the first vocal because it's so rocking. Mm-hmm. But this one is is like a, and it is more rocking. It's more prog rock than their glam rock. But it happily belongs on a playlist, and it will. I remember when we started the quest of like listening to all fifteen studio albums. I hit play, and I went, "Okay, this is yeah. going to be okay. We're yeah. good. We're good." Yeah, uh, totally. Um, I gave this song. The best way to start a band. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like, it's so rocking. Great song. That, that's the first song in their catalog. That's so crazy. Yeah, I, I think it's a great choice. Good job, Ken. Yeah. Good job Aww. to us like, both. I, well, I like how There's we, too much love here. The thing okay. is, I like how we could have picked any. These awards don't have to be best or worst. They can right. do whatever you want. You guys still matched. I like that. Shows harmony. I didn't match, by the way. I didn't. I didn't pick that one. I gave this one the bought the album for the song award. Oh, nice. Here we are. Nice. So I used to be obsessed with Highlander. My car yeah. is named Tess because of Tess and Noel from. Highlander. You look like Christopher Lambert. I asked for my graduation present. No, it was what it wasn't my graduation present, but it was one of my presents. I wanted the Highlander sword. I wanted Connor McCl- or no Duncan McLeod's sword. Next birthday, I'm getting it. I'm getting that for you. <laughs> oh, so I this is from I Kind of Magic in 1986. I bet this is actually the opening credits to Highlander the series. I that's the audio clip here. It's not even from the album. <laughs> you're, gonna hear, you're gonna hear like sword noises in the back. <laughs> Starring Adrian Every Paul. Every time I listen to this, though, I like want Wait, to hold a sword man. Adrian Paul or Christopher yes. Lambert? Adrian Paul. You like him more? Yes. I like the series more than I like the movies. Okay. But this was one where I went to Blockbuster Music at the time, and I was like, I got to get that song because I love it. <laughs> and I listened to it, and then I justified buying the album like, yeah, this other one's good, this other one's good. But I became a huge fan of A Kind of Magic. Like, well, while we were listening to these Queen albums, I would listen to them. I'd know like, you know, two or three tracks on every album. This one came on, and it took me back to my Highlander days. When I had the Joe's bar hat and I had like wanted to wear a trench coat and hide a sword in it, but that wouldn't be appropriate at school. So yeah, there you go. This is and the, uh, the original title for the film uh, Highlander was Princes of the Universe. That's oh, really? the name for the song. Okay. And yeah, this became the theme for the Highlander the series. All right. There's a couple of words I could give to this next one. I would say it's either the best non-Freddie Mercury song. Oh. Or the best Queen song about cats. <laughs> she came with a- this song is called All Dead, All Dead, and this is from News of the World from 1977. This is a piano ballad sang by Brian May, and there's just this beauty and somberness to the song, and it's all about like love and loss, and he's talking about when he was a kid and, and uh, realizing loss for the first time and having it explained to him, and then you realize it's about a family pet. Oh, and it, But right. it's this very sweet song, and All Dead, All Dead, it sounds really grim, but it's more about coming to terms with loss at a very young age, and I, I love the song. Yeah. That's so, a yeah. great one. That's a great one. My next one that I have... Uh, now, for the record, I picked nine honorable mentions. <laughs> and we awards. limited ourselves to and awards, yes. Yes, for awards. But I chose this one for a little bit of variety. This is the award for the I Wanna Rock. This comes from the album Day at the Races. This is Tie Your Mother Down. That's a very good one. And yes. I feel like this is like just awesome 70s rock song. It does have a very classic rock feel, but to it. with that Freddie Mercury voice coming through, the layer voices there. I just, uh, I think this is a fun one to rock out to. Definitely love hearing it when it comes through the rotation. Mm-hmm. This is one of their like concert staples. They played that like a lot of their concerts. Yeah, for sure. So, I, it, with the playlist in mind, there we go. All right, Joel, rock your out. final award. Uh, my final award is the Gave Birth to a Legend Award. I'm curious. There we go. 
Now, lest you think I'm talking about Queen, I'm not talking about Queen. This gave birth to the real legend. No. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. This, uh, the parody of Another One Bites the Dust. Uh, another One Bites the Bus. <laughs> bites the Bus. Uh, another One Rides the Bus by Real Yankovic was his first hit. Was he it? played on the Dr. Demento show. It became so popular that he ended up doing a television appearance with it, and this kicked off his parody career. And it was the song that made Weird Al Yankovic a star. And so I wanted to give some credit there to Queen for letting Weird Al Yankovic have a chance. Aww. Which, by the way... Uh, of course, you had to get Weird Al in this show. Of course. <laughs> uh, I did want to point out that this was a number one in the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, another one bites the dust. I'm mm-hmm. going back yeah. to Queen now. And the bass line was inspired by Good Times by Ashik. Oh, yeah. Good times. Leave your There's a, a lot of falsetto there. Yeah. Uh, but this one was also not without controversy because they. this is one of the first, oh, not one of the first, but one of the songs back in the day that was accused of backtracking where they would put subliminal messages in the background. Uh, so yes. I'm going to play this section for you first, uh, <laughs> you gentlemen. This is a deep dive. A little Ooh. bit. Uh, first, gentlemen, I just want to hear this. This is the clip I'm going to be playing backwards. Are okay. you ready? Ready. Why did Michael Jackson like that song again? And here, here is it in reverse. Now, I want you to he- listen. Kid, you already know what they, they, what they said backwards? Or what they accused I've heard this backwards? before, but I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to play this backwards, and I want you to see what you think you hear, and then I'm going to tell you what they thought was heard. Did you get anything from that? Find the bad word marijuana. <laughs> um, I just slipped on a banana. It's marijuana something. They said that the, they claim the chorus when played in reverse can be heard as decide to smoke marijuana. It's fun to smoke marijuana or start to smoke marijuana. Uh, don't smoke marijuana, kids. Now that I planted that subliminal message in your head, now sure. listen. Banana. I heard banana this time. It's fun. <laughs> banana this time. <laughs> I hear it's fun too. Oh, and by the way, this Good was teenagers. This was in the pre- preliminary cut for Rocky Three. They were going to do another one bites of dust for Rocky Three, but then switched it for, uh, for Eye of the Tiger. Oh yeah. So stay with Survivor. Yeah. Save it for our Survivor show. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Well, the TV show or the band? The band. No, no not as much. Anyway, Aww. that's my uh, gave birth to a legend. Okay. I, I almost gave that one the I'm so sick of this song, but still love it. Like it's another, it, it's in that yeah. overplayed category for me. But unlike the We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions, like I to can't, me it's, it's not as dynamic as their other. I can't deny yeah. that baseline. Right, that alone is just like another one so infectious. Dust. But I, I do skip this one when I hear it. Oh come of on! You do. So my final award is for favorite Queen song I've never heard before, and I love this song. It's called Flick of the Wrist. Mm-hmm. So this is from Sheer Heart Attack, a 1974 album, and it's a song about basically signing a contract, and actually their manager at the time, who's a very nice guy, not shown in the movie, because it makes them seem like they kicked it, they kicked him out, but it was right. very, very amicable. But the manager was worried that the song was about him, because it's all about signing a contract until the performers are a shell of their former self. Mm-hmm. And uh, Freddie Mercury's just like, no, it's just about a general con man. But it's a very biting song. Like, it feels like it was written about someone. I, I didn't remember when you said the date title, but then when you played it, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and it's, that one. it's rocking. 
Yeah. It's like a four minute song and all of it is great. It feels like kind of a rush song, not to scare any away, but it is like a totally classic rock song. So Thanks. that's my final award. So let's move on to the five best queen Top five. Songs. Top five. Top let's not five. match, please, on every single song. Okay. Ooh, it's going to be close. Okay. I am just going to come out with it and say it right now. My list is brought to you by Bohemian Rhapsody, which means it's not on there. What? Oh, sponsored by Bohemian Rhapsody. Sponsored like the like hey, the '90s bracket should thank have been sponsored you for by Nirvana. A chance. So it's my list is sponsored by Bohemian Rhapsody. Do you just thank the guy that bashed on We Will Rock You and We Look, Are the Champions? It's going to diversify the playlist. Yes, I love this song. This comes on all the time at my barbershop that I'm I'm training at right now. I love when it comes on. It makes me smile. This comes from the 1984 album The Works. Um, Radio Gaga. Yeah. It reminds me of the Live Aid concert video. I was at the gym last night listening to this song. Yeah. It's perfect. It's so good. I love the claps. That's a good song. That's yes. a good song. It's a fun song. That was a late bloomer for me, meaning I didn't I didn't yeah. really discover it until later on when I started liking Queen and then I got into totally. it more. Yeah. Because it's on the Queen Greatest Hits 2, mm-hmm. but not, not a lot of people listen to that one. No. So I do think it's a little bit underrated. I, I honestly could probably put it for Hipster Pick, which is weird because they did it. Um, it was the second song they played in Live Aid because they played the piano portion of Bohemian Rhapsody and then moved in very awesomely into this song. Mm-hmm. And But I still feel like it's underrated. Yeah, I think so too. I think there it's a go. great pick, Zach. Still not forgiven. <laughs> Never will be. <laughs> because my number five pick... <laughs> yeah, I understand. Now, I'm kind of cheating here, but not really. So if you notice, this is the end of We Will Rock You, which then leads into We Are The Champions. Good transition. Nice cheat. My number five is We Will Rock You slash We Are The Champions. Yeah. Because they were issued together as a single. And also, radio stations usually played the songs consecutively without interruption. And when performed live, usually they played consecutively. And at sporting events, usually can play consecutively. And to me, like on, on my Joey's Favorites cassette tapes, I played them back to back. So to me, they're they're kind of one song, but not really. Yeah. These are also the last two songs that Queen performed at Live Aid. I think that it's a fantastic song. The We Will Rock You, that starts, and I'm just there with everyone. It, it happened that we went to Demolition Derby. Yep. And it happened where they started playing We Will Rock You and all of us. And then Zach walks out. Zach was at Live Aid and he walked out in yeah, the last I actually two songs. Do. I turn off the video after Crazy Little Thing. <laughs> Overrated. But how many hit songs do you know that are just percussion? Right. And this song, aside from the Brian May solo at the end, is just Which is, stomping, is clapping, the best and part singing. if you can suffer through stomping and clapping. It's so <laughs> good. And then We Were the Champions, that is such an emotional song. And just, I feel that. It, I, I remember having a high school experience yeah. where it played, I think it was at a, after a game after we won and they started playing it. And I had that swelling emotion of like, yes, we are the champions. Because you just feel it when you hear it. So, yeah. Zach, when you're under your bridge, how many riddles do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> I am a troll. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So my fifth favorite Queen song is from A Kind of Magic in 1986. Really? There's oh, I'm glad you picked this. Nice. So this is one of those misheard lyric songs. Yep. And there's a history behind this one. So this is from the Highlander soundtrack and from A Kind of Magic, so right? The, the romantic theme from the movie. Funny, I don't know it from Highlander. I know it from the album. But <laughs> Who Wants to Live Forever is the name of the song. And so I'm going to go back into my LDS mission. And there was a tape that was in one of the cars that I had. And this tape had a bunch of church songs, right? Mormon Tabernacle Choir. It had somewhere out there from an American tale. <laughs> and it had 
Who Wants to Live Forever? Who, I don't think this was a church-approved tape. Uh, it sounded like it because somewhere out there felt very spiritual at the time. Yeah. But Who Wants to Live Forever? I always thought it said, there's a time for us. Yeah. There's a place for us. Yes. But the song is, there's no time for us. There's no place for us. Oh. What yes. is this thing that builds our dreams yet slips away from us? No. Meanwhile, I'm like, because I'm like, forever families, let's go spread the message. And I'm like, who wants to live forever? That's a great message. <laughs> but the song is actually really sad because but, Connor McLeod has to, or he's supposed to leave the love of his the life. The whole point of Highlander is that there's these, these immortals, people who have been living for centuries, yes. who fight each other and see who can be the last one there right but they live forever unless they get their you're not supposed off. to fall in love because they're going to die yeah everyone you love is and gonna so die. who wants to live forever it's not not who wants to live forever it's like who wants to live forever exactly and i totally misheard that but it was a very spiritual track at the time <laughs> church approved yeah all right zach what's your number four i'm really glad you brought up lyrics because actually my next song my number four is based on lyrics as well. It, this is the first time I actually looked up the lyrics online okay. to figure out what they were saying. This comes from a 1974's Sheer Heart Attack. To avoid complications, she never kept the same address. This is Killer Queen. Just like a bonus. Met a man from China. The thing about this one, this took a while to grow on me. Did it? Yes, I, I immediately loved it. I didn't. It, well, when I was a kid, yeah. I didn't like it as much. I liked the laser voices, but then it took a while to grow on me. I now yeah. love it. I just, I was always like, what are all these words? You know, it was also bicycle race. I'm like, what are they all singing? What are the, all the references and all that? But right. yeah, but uh, yeah, Killer Queen. I was like, what, what's happening here? And it was, it's just such a toe tapper. It's really fun to listen to, um, and I think this song is fantastic. It's so good. So my number four. I already liked, I liked this song. But then I saw it in a movie and it became so much better. And it's this. Don't stop me now. Was this movie Shaun of the Dead? Stop yes, it was. Have a good time. Your pull sticks out. If you haven't seen Shaun of the Dead, it's a great scene. <laughs> Sorry, this is weird on a podcast. So uh, Don't Stop Me Now is just like one of the greatest examples of the multi-track harmony vocals. And I love how it starts off slow, gets really fast, and then ends slow again. Uh, this is one that's been featured in commercials and songs, and and, and it's become more popular yeah. as it's went along. And of course, we talk about Shaun of the Not Dead. Not my favorite album. From jazz. Oh, no, jazz. From jazz. Well, yeah. although, what else came from jazz? Was it? Oh, yeah. There were like two or three dust. good songs. Yeah. Another one, yeah. Another one by Zach from jazz. Zach would well. say it's a terrible song. So that's true. <laughs> uh, but this is one where jazz is not the best album. No. Well, yeah. I feel like this one has so much fun in it, but also it's kind of a little bit tragic too because Brian May has said that this song reminds him of Freddie's excess. Yeah. There's a time in his life when he's like saying, Don't stop me now, I'm having a great time. True. And then he got sick. Or a satellite ready to explode. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. there, but Don't Stop Me Now is a great song, great get you pumped up song. If you drive to it, you're going to be driving fast. I'm yeah. just warning you That's right for now. Sure. Yeah. My number four is from A Day at the Races from 1976. Somebody, 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 Fantastic. So this song, it has so many beautiful harmonies, but they also add a hundred voice choir. That's yeah. not just Freddie Mercury in the back. Well, they took the, those three guys and made them into a hundred voices. Yeah. And so I just think like even the rounds at the end, because the song is like kind of progresses, but then they have the rounds at the end that unlike, <laughs> what is it? The Prophet song or some oh, of these yeah. songs then, where they just repeat everything. The Somebody to Love chant is so great and you is. can't help but sing along. And it builds. Yeah. So yeah, Somebody to Love. That's a great choice. 
Um, I like this playlist already. This is a good playlist. Um, This next song uh, also comes from A Day at the Races, actually. And this was the song that built my respect for Queen. I actually saw the music video, and I watched as it showed Freddie, who obviously normally is the lead vocalist, but he was singing as one of the many layered background voices. And I just saw the passion that he was singing with. And I was immediately hooked. Hey. Yeah. We've done this multiple times. I know. But this song is, is beautiful. And again, when you see, like, and listen to this layering of this background vocal, it's yeah. so powerful. And which is funny, this song was not that well received when it came out because it was a follow up to Bohemian Rhapsody and it was con- considered like a, a lesser version. A lesser version, like, not quite there. Okay, it's a little more gospely, but eh, you, we, we've seen this trick. And time has been very kind to this song, I think. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. So good. Man, I love that song. This is not easy, guys. I have to tell you, just picking a top five was very, very, very tough. But I tried to go with ones that immediately came to mind rather than the ones I look up and be like, oh, yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the first songs that came to mind when I thought of my favorite Queen songs. Nice. Tribute to Elvis right here. Yeah. So this is Crazy Little Thing Called Love from the game in 1980. And it is. It's, it was written as a, a by Freddie Mercury as a tribute to Elvis Presley. He wrote it in 10 minutes. Really? He says... 10 minutes in the Was bathroom. this the one in the bathroom? Yeah. In the bath- he says, crazy little thing bathtub. called... This yeah. is Freddie Mercury. Crazy little thing called Love took me five or 10 minutes. I did that on the guitar, which I can't play for nuts. And in one way, it was quite a good thing because I was restricted, knowing only a few chords. It's a good discipline because I simply had to write within a small framework. I couldn't work through too many chords, and because of that restriction, I wrote a good song. Wow. And I like okay. that idea of like, he didn't really know how to play the guitar, but he managed to play that. And it's that was number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S., and as I mentioned before, yeah, it was on a Chipmunks album, <laughs> and I had such nostalgia that when I heard the real version, I was like, "This is so good." And it doesn't fit really with Queen's other songs. No, I feel no. It, it is. It's kind of that satellite where it's like, "Wow, this was a cool experiment," and I just love the way it mm-hmm. turned out. It's a, it's a toe tapper, and I really do enjoy it. So, crazy little thing I love is my number three. All right, my number three has been played, but it's. She keeps this is going to be a short playlist on right. Spotify. Uh, so once again, Killer Queen from Sheer Heart Attack. Uh, and they actually say Killer Queen was the turning point. It was the song that best summed up our kind of music and a big hit we desperately needed. It was a mark of something successful happening for us. I was always very happy with this song. And that was Brian May talking about this song. Because this changed everything for them. This was their first major U.S. hit. Yep. And yeah, I think got him the notoriety to kind of push him forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think it's so fun. This was the first like Queen song I heard outside of Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, wait a minute, who is this band again? This is classic rock, which I, I generally didn't really like all that mm-hmm. much, but it just appealed to me. So that's the thing about Queen, too, is they have such different sounds. Yeah. That it, it almost doesn't feel like classic rock. It feels like Queen. Yes. Yeah. Like they're going to try all this stuff, but it's not. They're certain. transcendent. Yeah. I would, I'm going to throw something out there. I think Queen as a band, but specifically Brian May's guitar, they have the most singable guitar solos. Think about it. When you listen to Queen songs, you you like sing along to his guitar solos. They're yeah. so melodic and they're like a character in their music. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely one of them that does it for me. All right. My number two is definitely like a Zach choice. It's very near and dear to me. I honestly feel like this is like my secret Queen song, even though it's on Greatest Hits, number one. Okay. But I feel like a lot of people don't know this song, and I adore it. So good. What? Hey, boy. 
forget that part. Good old fashioned lover boy. This was so originally good. also on Day of the Races in 1976. And I think it's just a jaunt of fun. <laughs> it's it's a whisk and a jaunt. It is. It's just it's it brings good feelings and it's peppy and uh, sort of I don't know this vaudevillian thing that Freddie would do. Very theatrical and uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, great it's song. A I love this short playlist. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, guys. I really am. Why sorry. are you sorry? It's going to be a short playlist. This is my number two. Yeah. So this one, somebody loves Freddie Mercury. We talked about it. I, I just love the gospel choir sound of it, and I love the layering. And the the funny thing about the song is it is pretty deep. Like it's talking about you know this guy who's not finding love and wondering what his purpose in life is. Mm-hmm. But that you talked about the the uh, bridge part. Yes. Where they build up that chorus. So one time I was at a friend's house. He'd gone upstairs to go to the bathroom or something like that. I was downstairs and the, we just had the album playing. And this song came on and I was laying on my back, eyes closed, just singing along with it. And right before that, I start getting into it. Like, find me somebody to love. I start singing. And all of a sudden I hear giggling. And his sister and her friend were sitting there watching me. Oh, no. Just sing on my back, eyes closed, just jamming up to Queen. You're just trying to find somebody to love. And I <laughs> I, I almost, I didn't care, honestly. I was like, well, you're lucky you didn't get they to They should the, have joined in. They should have. Oh, but, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's one of my memories of the song because <laughs> I can't good. help but sing along to it. It comes on, I want to sing. So my number two, this number is two. the first opportunity to play this song. And I believe it's probably someone's number one and not on someone's list. It's... This is not your number one. This is my number two Queen song. This is... I'm really aware of the harmonies in this song. (laughs) Yeah, right? After 13 times? 13 crossovers there? Uh, There's not much to say about this one. It's it's from A Night at the Opera from 1975. This is just... You say there's not much to say about this one? Because we're going to say a lot. Because I feel like you're going to be talking about this one. This song is just straight up epic. Uh, It's got so many layers it it doesn't follow a normal song progression no no with the chorus or verses and it's so strange and freddie mercury knew that going in he knew that this would be hey here's where the opera parts come in what okay and it's so layered it's it there's incredible talent coming from this song this is a great song it's just great just a little fantastic just a little overplayed Oh, come on. Just a little it's only number two charted three times in different decades right or so really overplayed then yeah, that's an amazing song. Yes. And I told you, my list is brought to you by Bohemian Rhapsody. Which we should have done that. We should have brought to you by Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> that's what we should have done, Zach. Why did you tell us to do that? Because it's a good idea. Because honestly, it, it's the answer. It's great. What's your number one? It's wonderful. What's your number one? My number one, one, your number one brought song, to you by Bohemian Rhapsody. My number one brought to you by Bohemian Rhapsody is a song that I have a lot of fun listening to. I, I think it's a great joy and also have very positive associations with it. It comes from the mediocre album... From 1979, Jazz? Short playlist. Yeah, really short playlist. I love this song. Every time. I've sung it on Curious. I think it is a blast. And of course, the Shaun of the Dead connection is fantastic, too. But you said I wouldn't even like this song. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's my favorite Queen song. And and you know, honestly, if you ask me in a week, I might have a different answer. Sure. I'm tapping my toe right now. But I will never skip this song. I will always listen to it. So good. There's no point in building suspense because my number one is Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a short course. Oh, yeah. mia, mama mia. And I did this part specifically because this is the part in Wayne's world where you're like, what's happening? Are we going to do the thing, aren't we? What's going on? What are they doing? Oh, we're totally going to do it. Everyone do it at home. 
not easy to do with headphones. <laughs> We're headbanging over here. <laughs> uh, so this six-minute suite was written by Freddie Mercury. It has an intro, a ballad segment, an operatic passage, a hard rock part, and a reflective coda. And this is what, like you said, this does not have a traditional uh, verse, co- chorus, verse, no. chorus. There is no chorus. You can't sing the chorus between Rhapsody because there is no chorus. And apparently he'd been kicking this song around since like the 60s. He had this in his head of what he wanted to do. And then he said, uh, in 1985, he talked about the song. He said, it was basically three songs I wanted to put out. And so I just put the three together. And the wow. band, they just called it Fred's Thing <laughs> as a joke as they were do- recording their album because they'd have them there for like 10 to 12 hours recording this thing. They had to keep coming back to it, keep overdubbing Galileo's over and over again. Oh, for sure. And then uh, they did initially when they we were going to release it as a single, the studios and executives were just like, that's not going to fly. It's a, it's a six-minute song. It's not going to be a single. And so he gave it to his buddy, uh, DJ Kenny Everett, and said, hey, I'm going to give this to you as long as you don't play it. Isn't that wink, interesting? Wink. Yeah, as long as you don't play it. It's a promotional track. Yeah. Don't play it. Yeah. And then he said, okay, I'm not going to play it. And he played it 14 times in two days. Yeah. And people went nuts for it. He played pieces of it first, but then he played it its entirety. And people kept calling and saying... When's it going to come out? When's it going to come out? They were so thrilled with it. But once again, it's no chorus, kind of a, a nihilistic song if you if you kind of listen to the lyrics. Sure. But even Freddie said people can read whatever they want to into the song. There's yeah. really no meaning that I'm going to give you. Yeah. He kind of kept it to himself, actually, and yeah. kind of the secret of the song with him. But and then uh, Weirdo Yankovic did do a Bohemian Polka. I want to point that out as well. Yeah, the Polka songs are. But this is this is a song that, like I said, my dad, uh, huge fan of the Eagles. We talked about it before. Hotel California is his ultimate song. This is the only song we've ever got him to. This is the consider a contender to the greatest song of all time. He considers this Hotel California. But I think Bohemian Rhapsody is fantastic. I do, gentlemen. I want to do something. If I may, something that's never been done on Bacon Cell before. Oh, here we go. Are we going to retire this song? No. This is this is going to be a very short playlist. So I'm wondering if you guys agree with this. If we do, if we just add after our after our best and after the awards, but before the worst, we each get to add two other Queen songs to our playlist. Deal. While we're in this mode, I did ask you guys while we were preparing if you had to pick one album from Queen as your favorite. What I want to pick my favorite Queen song first. Oh okay. yeah, he's got a new number one. Oh yeah, but ahead. guess what? Sorry, Kent. We've already played it. You did the one again. This song is absolutely magic. I'm burning through the sky, yeah, 200 degrees. That's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. Yeah. This song, although they're British, so it should be Celsius. Yeah, it should be. This song is straight fire. This is the most, and this is going to sound less fun, but the most efficient Queen song. It's got the short length, but at the same time, it's got the intensity, all the intensity you'd ever yeah. want from a Queen song. It's what you just want to like jog to or run to. Yeah. Or yes. Tap your you, toe you to. want to move. Yeah. It makes you want to move. Is this a like baby driver? If me. not, it should have been a baby driver. It's no. not in baby there driver. There is a Queen Rock is in Bright baby Rock. driver. Yeah. Don't Stop Me Now is like, for me, it's Bohemian Rhapsody, but like trimmed yeah. down to make it tight. Now, I apologize, Ken, for cutting you off. Okay, no worries. I, I, for, I forgot you had it to happens. Go. But I'm also just like, wow, yeah. how many times did we match up? That's pretty funny. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, you want to keep a track, Zach? Usually you keep track. Yeah, I for, forgot. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so I asked you while you were preparing, what would be your favorite album if you had to pick a single album? Because easy. Queen has a couple good songs and everything. You say easy, Joel. Greatest what's, what's yours? Oh, come on. <laughs> Greatest hits one is the, the answer. Yeah. It's the answer. No, if I can't pick that, though, because I, I, you did before say Greatest Hits probably wouldn't count. No. It's got to be, in regard to songs that I like, the game had a lot that I enjoyed of, you know, it has another one, Bites the Dust, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, and Save Me, which I, I, like, I enjoyed those three. But 
I'd probably say A Night at the Opera because I discovered 39, which I put in my, mm-hmm. that was a pleasant surprise. And Seaside Rendezvous was so much fun. It's like this little quirky, yep. uh, old timey almost. And it has Bohemian Rhapsody and then it has a God Save the Queen at the end, which is really cool to listen to. Mm-hmm. It does have I'm in Love with My Car and the Prophet song, but I don't know. I probably not at the opera. I had the most notes on because I was, I was very engaged with that album. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go for Sheer Heart Attack. Sheer Heart Attack. This great. one the is. The album, not the song. Yeah, yeah. This one is the most consistent for me. It starts off with uh, Brighton Rock, then immediately Killer Queen. Yeah. And then a couple tracks after that, yeah, Flick of the Wrist, which I just discovered and loved. And Lily of the Valley, Stone Cold Crazy is such Stone a Cold cool Crazy. song. You should put that on the playlist. Yeah. Stone and Cold so Crazy. It's great. for me, there's, there's not a skippable track here. I just love this one. And I feel like this is where they realized that they were queen. I put two songs from A Day at the Races in my top five. And so I really considered that one. But when I'm thinking of listening through an album, uh, I kind of like that experience. And I had to go with A Night at the Opera as well. Nice. Um, one of the things I love, actually found, was Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon. It's yeah. like a one-minute song. It's this cute little thing that leads into I'm in Love with My Car a little bit. But it, it was just such a pleasant listening experience. Uh, 39 as well, you already mentioned. That was I great. I like Sweet Lady a lot as well. Love of My Life we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah. Love of My Life is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous song. Then we promise we're just not going to put greatest hits on the playlist. <laughs> no, it's not going to be the greatest hits. Yeah. No. Well, just, just some of the key ones we talked about yeah no and let us know if we didn't talk about your favorite queen song or if we downplayed your favorite queen song or if we give enough praise to your queen song let mm-hmm. us know uh, we want to know your feelings on queen on twitter on facebook on instagram we're there listening and replying and join us there and join the conversation absolutely and make sure to check out our spotify playlist as well we'll be posting that at bacon but before we go we want to thank some patrons in a couple of key categories including the i am the listener which includes adrian gray lady terry a finley Sean Sanquist, Just Plain Old Kyler, Alicia Bass, Braden Winterton, Sweet Bottom Cakes, Jessica Drought, Jennifer Kilkowski, Adam and Rachel Crump, Plot Twist Media, Babs, Glow Clan Daniel, and Allison Gall. And then we have our Bacon Council, which includes Chris Anderson, Nicole Deke Hale, Go Knights Go, Ryan and Marley Farron, Mots, Stephen Ross, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, our favorite couple, the Madisons, The Shadow, and Reverse Listener. Thank you, patrons. We love you. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate you. You're our best friends. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76 Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with QuickWits. They're going to be doing live shows again soon. For more details, go to qwcomma.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. You can find me at Twitter or Instagram at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews at ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Tumbling Mustard. You can follow my barbering adventures at Paul Made in the Shade. And then uh, maybe uh, catch me at the Desert Star. I'm in a, I'm in a show there if yeah. in the Utah-ish area. And then more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media, including liking the Facebook page and going to Twitter and Instagram at Bacon Sale. While you're doing that, stop by tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale where you can get some merch there, some bunch of fun stuff. Get yourself a Bacon Sale t-shirt or whatnot. And then if you like what's going on in the show and you want to support us further, stop by patreon.com slash bacon sale where financial support starts at just $3 a month. You can get yourself some uh, goodies like bacon bits or even exclusive reviews, mm-hmm. which we just had on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, I know we take a lot seriously on this show, but at the end of the day, nothing really matters. The listener can see. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters to me. Anyway, the wind blows. <laughs>
Yes. Have a little tingly, uh, which is weird because that was pre-recorded. Uh, what about Jacob? He's, he's cancer as well, isn't he? Boy, is he. Yeah. Hey, gonna get you too when the sound check is done. Bam! 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 Shoot that! Well, a lot of people who were 5'10 probably claimed 6'3. Close Did you always kind of giggle at Fat Bottom Girls? <laughs> Doesn't matter because it's apparently a, ro- a drunk robot. I love songs by drunk robots. Machines. Machines. Got a machine head. Exterminate. It's like Queen goes to Wendover. Turn it off, Joel. Turn it off. Turn it off. Then you make me slightly mad when you pee all over my Chippendale suite. I want to stomp, stop, clap on your face. Zach, offend us again. Okay, maybe this is in an exact order. Maybe it's in a little dramatic order. Why do you get New York when you say that? (laughs) I just, this is. He's ready to fight. You're making Joel so mad. Don't drink pineapple. It is disgusting. (laughs) Give me your body. And it took me back to my Highlander days. I just slipped on a banana. And then Zach walks out. Zach was at Live Aid and he walked out in yeah, the last I actually, two songs. I turn off the video after Crazy Little Thing. Overrated! So yeah. Zach, when you're under your bridge, how many riddles do you ask? <laughs> but it was a very spiritual track at the time. <laughs> Church approved! I think it's just a jaunt of fun. <laughs> You're just trying to find somebody to love. Anyway, the wind blows. That's going to be bad. Anyway, the wind I can go down, maybe. Anyway, the wind blows. No. Blows, blows, blows. No, just do it by yourself. Okay. <laughs>